So let's pray and look to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Thank you that individually we are your temples, but also corporately we are temples of the Holy Ghost. So we thank you for that corporate anointing. Lord, I pray for unction and anointing to minister your word today. I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be flooded with light. And we thank you for it ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a few days ago, these words just kind of came to me. I want to speak to you on a message called Overall. Overall. Let's begin in Colossians chapter 2. And notice with me in verse 15. It says, In having, speaking of Jesus, spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The principalities and powers, of course, that the Bible's speaking of is devils, demons, and evil spirits. And Jesus made a show of them openly, and he triumphed over them in it. One translation says he disarmed the principalities and the powers which fought against him. Another translation says he exposed them, he shattered them, he emptied them, he defeated them in his final glorious triumphant act. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Another translation, he made an open example over them, celebrating a triumph over them thereby. Still another says, he put them to an open shame, leading them captive in the triumph of Christ. Philip says this, he exposed them, shattered them, emptied them, and defeated them in his triumphant victory. Now, when a king in those days fought against another king and he defeated him in battle, it was said that that king had been spoiled. And then the victor would parade the king and other important prisoners through the town as a trophy of triumph. You see, what the victors would do is they would make a show of the enemy's defeat openly, just celebrating their downfall publicly for everyone to see. And the Bible says that Jesus did that to Satan. It says that he spoiled him, he shattered him, and he defeated him before three worlds. Heaven, earth, and hell. Amen? Amen. He disarmed and he stripped Satan of his authority, and he took the keys of hell and death, and then he handed the keys to you, and he handed the keys to me. He put them to naught. Hallelujah. He put them to naught. Thank God. You know what not means? Put to not means he reduced him to nothing. Hallelujah. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy, that he might put to nothing and reduce to nothing the works of the devil. I'm telling you, when Jesus defeated Satan and wrought for us redemption, it was not redemption just for Monday. It was an eternal redemption. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter in the twelfth verse says this, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he, Jesus, entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for you. Hallelujah. Say with me, I've been eternally redeemed. The Amplified says he secured a complete redemption, 
of everlasting release for us. Still another says he secured our permanent deliverance. And Beck translation says that he paid a price that frees you and I forever. Think about it. You and I are forever free. Forever free in him. Eternally redeemed by our Redeemer. For Christ purchased our freedom, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He bought us, hallelujah, and he paid the price for you and I. And his mightiest work was not just on the cross, but his mightiest work included his death, his burial, but thank God, his resurrection from the dead. Look with me over to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Paul is praying that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened or flooded with light. That we may know three things. What is the hope of his calling? Number two, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Did you know that you have an inheritance? It's in him. Amen. And this inheritance is not only for heaven, but this inheritance includes benefits here on earth. Amen. You like those benefits, don't you? But then in verse 19, he also prayed that we would get a revelation of the exceeding greatness of his power, which is on our behalf or toward us when we believe. And this power, which is toward us as believers, is according to the working of his mighty power. This is not a low level power. This is mighty power from an almighty God. Which he worked or wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. See, he did not stay on the cross. He did not stay in the balls of the earth. He rose up champion over death, hell, and the grave. And now he's seated. And notice with me how he's seated. Far above. All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. And not only that, but he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all. And that's the message today. Gave him to be the head over all. All things to the church, which is his fullness, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and all. He put all things under his feet and he's given him to be the head over all things to the church. Jesus, the son of the living God, is head over sickness and disease. He's over poverty and lack. He's over all mental oppression. And everything that is evil that can come against your life, he's over it. He's above it. But not only is he over it, not only is he above it, but he placed all thing under his feet, which is his body. He didn't do this for his own benefit. He did this for the benefit of the church, the body of Jesus Christ. Now, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. 
And we're going we're gonna to work with that. Look at your neighbor and say, overall. Chapter 2, verse 1, and you hath he quickened. That word quickened means raised. In other words, in the mind of God, when he was raised, you were raised. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 5 and verse 6, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. Now read verse 6 together with, with me. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Where? In Christ Jesus. God does not see you any way other than in Christ. There was a time that you were out of Christ. But when you got born again, He quickened you. He raised you. And He seated you together with Him in heavenly places. Far over, over all principality, over all power, over everything that would come against your life to degrade you and to hold you back and to hold you down. He raised you over all of it. Now, the problem is, is people have tried to separate the head from the body. And they try to tell you, well, the head has it, but the body doesn't. No, last time I checked, the head and the body are connected together. I mean, I don't call my head Mark and my body John. No, we're one and the same. And where are the feet? The feet are in the body. And if you put all things under his feet, you're his feet. You're his body. Say with me, all things are under my feet. Now, there will be things that will try to ascend and that will try to rise up in your life. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You are in union with him. He is in union with you. And so... Remember that when these things of life try to ascend and try to rise up, how many of you know the things that try to pull you down don't come from above? The things that try to pull you down in life come from beneath, come from hell itself. But remember that you have been given authority and that you are Put in charge and you're over it. He's over all. He's raised you up with him. So that means you're over all. Well, somebody says, what do I do when that happens? Well, first thing, you don't sit there like a dummy and take it. You don't just sit there and twiddle your thumb and look at your wife and say, well, I'm just hoping for a better day. How many of you know that hoping for a better day oftentimes never comes? Especially when your hope is misplaced. But instead, you can rise up against those things that rise up against you with what? With the weapons of your warfare. Now, I want you to look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Notice with me in verses 3 through 5. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, we'll look at verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not what? Carnal. They're not carnal. Don't try to outthink the devil. That's right. You can't do it. No. But these weapons, which, let's, let's just list a few of those weapons. Someone give me one of the weapons of our warfare. His name. Jesus. Brenda said the name of Jesus. Anyone else? The Word of God. Anyone else? The blood of Jesus. How about the power of the Holy Spirit? These are, you see, these are weapons, if you will, and keys that God has given us in this life so that we can wage a good warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God. Now notice, to what? Where do these strongholds belong? You got it right. You're a great, great listening group. These strongholds belong under our feet. Amen? Now notice with me, for the pulling down of strongholds. These things try to rise up, but you take your weapons and you pull them down with the word, with the name, with the blood, with the sword, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. Casting down imaginations. Oftentimes when these things try to rise up and get into our lives, it gets into our thinking, right? And so the Bible says don't entertain these imaginations, but rather cast them down. Cast them down. And every high thing, those things that try to exalt themselves against or above the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity, what? Every thought to the obedience of the anointed one and his anointing. So it pays us rich dividends to keep our mind stayed on him. And as our mind is stayed on him, and as our mind is renewed, we will immediately recognize those high things that come against us. And we'll be able to pull them down with the word of God. Tony Cook is a great friend of our church and ministry. He says, you are either pulling strongholds down or strongholds are pulling you down. And then he says, you are either casting imaginations down or imaginations are casting you down. Now, what this says to me, this says, I am not alone in this battle. This says to me that I am not disempowered to some sort of religious, ritualistic teaching about, well, the sovereignty of God, brother. You just never know. (coughs) Now, I've written here in my notes, I know I'm not going to get that far. Listen to this statement. Because, you know, when you start preaching things like this, religious spirits kind of like to get tuned up 
Well, that's not what I heard in my church. That's not what Grandma taught me. How many of you know as good as Grandma's cookies were? Grandma still got to line up with the Word. And as nice as some radio preachers are, and as nice as some pastors are, it doesn't matter how nice they are, they still got to line up with the Word. You got to check everything out with this Word. Amen? If it doesn't line up with the Word, don't criticize them. Don't, uh, you know, set them aside. Pray for them. Pray that the eyes of their heart would be flooded with light. But it's for you. You are not disempowered. You are not at a disadvantage. You have what we would like to call the believer's advantage. And the believer's advantage is being fully equipped and thoroughly furnished with everything you need to be a winner in this life. Listen to this statement. When traditions replace truth with rituals, when traditions replace truth with rituals, they replace results. And experience is replaced with an explanation. When traditions replace truth, is what I'm trying to say. Say with me, when traditions replace truth, rituals replace results. And experience is replaced with an explanation. And that describes much of the church. I believe that I'm looking at a group of people that are going to and are experiencing results in Him. Amen? Amen? So here's what I had in my spirit. Authority overall. Authority over... And then you fill in the blank. Authority over, and then you fill in the blank. Now, one area that you have control over, and I have control over, is we now have control over sin. Sin no longer has control over you. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Romans the 6th chapter, 14th verse. What... You have yielded to in the past, you don't have to yield to today. Amen? Amen. Notice in Romans 6.14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion or authority over you. Why? Because you're over it. For sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Why? For you are not under the law... But what are we under? Under We're under grace. Amen? So we have dominion then. We have authority over sin. Somebody says, well, you know, everyone sins sometime. That might be true, but you don't have to set yourself up with believing that and saying that with your mouth. Well, you know, Pastor Mark, that's unrealistic. Everyone's got to sin sometime. No, everyone does not have to sin. People choose to sin. People choose to live a life of strife and unforgiveness. People choose to live in the realm of sin. But thank God you've been delivered from it. 
I've been delivered from sin. Sin no longer has dominion over you. You know, one thing that really helped me a lot when I battled in a certain area of my life, one thing that really has helped me throughout the years is to say what Jesus said. And here's what Jesus said concerning his father. He said, I always do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Come on now. The next time you're about to yield to sin, ask yourself this question. Does this please my father? And if it doesn't please your father, you've got no business doing it. Now, here's what saying the word does. It programs your spirit. You say that long enough about your life, it'll rise up on the inside of you in a time of temptation and will enable you to not yield to the temptation, but rather yield to God. For I always do those things that are pleasing in His sight. There's two things that's very important for us to learn. Number one, what to yield to and who to yield to. Number two, what to and who not to yield to. Amen? So I believe this, that there is authority over sin, but also there's authority over sickness and disease. I want this to get in your heart today. Everyone say, over all. Over all principalities. Over all powers. Over all sickness and disease. Hallelujah. Over lack. How about this one? Over mental oppression. Has anyone ever been tempted to be mentally oppressed? I'll raise my hands. Has anyone ever been... You see, the thing about a temptation, to be tempted is one thing, to yield to a temptation is another. You know, people feel guilty. Well, you know, I I was tempted with this. I was tempted with that. Well, did you yield to it? No. Well, you you won over it. It's not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to yield to the temptation. Amen? So mental oppression is under your feet. Now I believe this. I believe that you can talk to your soul. Just like you can talk to your body. You can talk to your soul. Soul, we're not going there today. We're not going into that arena of thinking and reasoning... I am staying in the arena of faith and peace. I refuse to think thoughts of fear. Because I'm over it. I'm over fear. I'm over fear. I'm over all. In Him. In Christ. Say it with me. I've been established in righteousness. I'm far from oppression. And fear does not come nigh me. Here's another area that you've been raised over. Condemnation. One person said it like this. Condemnation is the confidence killer. But thank God, if your heart is right, the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Yeah. Say it with me. Jesus has been made head. 
Jesus has been made head over all things for the benefit of my life. Now think about it for a minute. What nation do we live in? We live in the good old USA. The United States of America. Now, because we live in this nation, that means we have authority in this nation. If I lived over in Sweden, I wouldn't have the same authority in America than I would in Sweden. As part of this nation, we have a responsibility then to stand up in a position of authority over all that would come against this nation. We've been set above all things. All things includes weapons formed against this country. All things include no weapon formed against this nation shall prosper. Racism is a weapon. Unrest is a weapon. Terrorism is a weapon. We saw two major weapons formed against this nation come against the Twin Towers and prevailed. This must never happen This must never happen again. Let it not be said of the church that the church was asleep on their post. Let it not be said of the church that all they wanted to do was come and get blessed and feel the presence of God. Feeling the presence of God. Being in community is a great and wonderful and awesome part of the church. But another part of the church is we are a praying church. And we have awoken to righteousness. I'm telling you what, the sleeping giant in the body of Christ, as far as I'm concerned, is no more asleep. The mighty men are waking up to this revelation that we have authority. We have authority in this nation. We have authority to stop things. You know, Jesus, he exhibited and illustrated what authority looks like. He cast out devils. You know what kind of word he had for devil? It's a good word. Come out, shut up, and come out. Now, we don't go looking for devils, but we can follow his example. One comes knocking on your door. Just say, shut up. Come out. He illustrated authority. There was a day went over to Peter's house and his mother-in-law was there and she was sick of a fever. And what did Jesus do with the fever? He exercised authority over it. And he spoke to the fever, and the Bible says the fever left her. Do you think fevers can hear? 
The voice of faith? Do you think evil spirits that are motivating ISIS, do you think they can hear words from the Holy Spirit? Come on, somebody. Jesus stood up in the boat. He said, peace be still. Through the spoken word of God. It ceased. And there was a great calm. I'm going to follow his example. I believe this church can follow his example. Let's practice it right now. Shut up. Come out. Fever, leave. Wind, cease. Weapons, we demand you to fall at the feet of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Now, I know, I know that you face challenges. I know you do. Because I do. It is part of your human package. You're going to face challenges. But don't allow yourself to get so inward. And looking at yourself and all of your problems and all of the things that you go through. Don't allow yourself to get to that point where you forget whose you are and whose nation you live in. We take dominion over that spirit. Do you suppose ISIS is serious? I believe that we ought to be more serious. You suppose ISIS is intense? I believe we ought to be more intense. Where sin abounds, where evil abounds. Hey, the grace of God, the light of God, the glorious gospel, the authority of the believer. It does much more abound. Now, I'm not preaching this on this Sunday morning just because I didn't have anything else to preach. I have an urgency on the inside of me for us to rise up and take our place and take our dominion. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. He said, whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. He says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom, church, and these keys have been laying on your coffee table too long. I said that with a smile on my face. It's time to pick up the keys. To pick up the keys and take our place. Everyone say overall. Overall. Say with me, I live in this nation. Therefore, I have authority in this nation. Amen. Moms, if you're a single parent, you have authority in your home. You can run off those spirits trying to toy with your children. You can stop it. Somebody says, well, things are just, gotten, they've gotten out of control. Well, let's bring it back into control. And the way that you do that oftentimes is you don't wrestle with flesh and blood. You wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. You take your place as a man of God, as a woman of God in your home, and you say, you know what? This stops now. 
in Jesus' name. Taking your place. Taking your dominion. Taking your authority. The value of our authority rests on the power behind our authority. Authority is delegated power. In other words, it's that which belonged to someone else, but it's been given to you. A police officer can't stop a car in his own strength, can he? But when in uniform, he's backed by the city or the state or the government. It is then that he has the power, the authority to stop a car with one gesture. And Jesus said, I give to you power, authority over all the power of the enemy. The power that's behind us is the king of the universe. The power of the name of Jesus is above every name. This power that has been invested in his name, you and I have been authorized to use it. Oh, thank God. Thank God we're not left as helpless orphans here on earth. Thank God greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Thank God the church can arise and declare, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. See, God never, ever, ever instructed us to try to be strong in our own self. But he did say, sons, daughters, put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. You see, the evil day is coming, right? The evil day is coming. And so what you and I then do is we stand in our authority and we stand in our armor. And listen, friends, every day, don't let a day go by that you don't rise up in the name of Jesus and apply the blood of Jesus over your life. Don't let a day go by that you don't rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, I apply the blood of Jesus over this nation. There have been too many shootings in schools. Anytime a shooting becomes commonplace on the news, let me tell you, something's wrong. And so we as the church, we as the body of Christ, see, this is our territory. This is our place. This is our land. This is our Bay Area. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And you can put your stake down in Jesus' name and declare his blood over every school in Alameda County, over every school in the San Francisco Bay Area. Don't let a day go by that you're not applying the blood to your mind. There's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of things out there that will try to pull your attention away from him. You know, if you can lay hands on the sick, you can lay hands on yourself. Just lay hands on your soul and say, soul, in the name of Jesus, we're going to think the thoughts of God today. We're going to plead the blood. Amen. You ready to do that this morning? Are you ready to receive communion today? I rest my case for this morning. Amen.